listening to Courtside Convo, your source for the latest news, analysis, and discussions on the NBA. And welcome back to another Friday edition of Courtside Convo. I'm your host, Bobby Zuffro, here in the studio with Carter Landis, Liam Jackson, and we are here to talk some NBA, as always, on every Friday. The time is about 525. The date is Friday, April 2nd. And last week, we touched a lot about the trade deadline, so we're going to cover some of those new faces in their new places. We'll start with Mr. Nikola Vucevic. In three games so far with the Bulls, 31 minutes, 22 points, shooting about 55% from the field, 9.3 rebounds, 4 assists, only .7 turnovers, but the Bulls are 0-3 since he has been traded to them. So, what do you guys think about, or do you want to just go down the list and talk about all of them, or do we want to just touch on Vucevic for right now? We can touch on Vucevic a little bit right. right now. Yeah, I mean, but the bright side is, I mean, Vucevic, I mean, at least for Vucevic, he's led their team in scoring and rebounds all three games he has played as well. Dropping 21 in the first two, then 24, nine rebounds in the first two, 10 rebounds. Uh, That was three days ago against Phoenix. So we talked a lot about, you know, the Bulls and how, like last week, you add an all-star center, I mean... You would assume they would start winning some games. I mean, granted, small sample size. They put they lost. It was a three-game road trip at San Antonio, at Golden State, at Phoenix. All of them, you know, well, not close, really. The Phoenix one, they lost by five. Golden State, they lose by 14. San Antonio, they win by 16. So, how with this limited sample size, I guess, how would you guys assess Vucevic so far? It kind of seems like Wendell Carter was integral to uh, the success of the Bulls. Am I right? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's just you got to let Vucevic get a little bit into a rhythm with this team. Um, you know, he's coming from a completely, you know, he's coming from Orlando, which was just, you know, there was no chemistry and there was no, you know, game plan or anything at all with that team. Now he's coming into a team that's a little bit more uh, organized, I would say. I think Billy Donovan has got those guys playing really well. Uh, and I think he will continue to do that. I think, you know, the young core that they have there, Levine's leading it. Kobe White's a great player, too. I think Pat Williams has been a tremendous rookie. Uh, I think that once he gets into a flow with those guys, I mean, obviously his numbers look pretty good, but from a team standpoint, they haven't looked too good. Uh, I think that once they start to get into a rhythm, they're going to start cook, uh, they're going to start clicking, and then they're going to start cooking. They're going to play really well. Um, defensively, I think they've had a couple problems since he's been there. And, yeah, I think Wendell Carter is objectively a better defensive center than Vucevic, as we know. But I think that overall that team is going to start playing better uh, once this new core starts uh, clicking together. Yeah, uh, they're 0-3 since he's been there, but it's no fault of Vucevic. Like you said, he's – or like Bobby said, he's been playing well, um, been one of the bright spots on their team these, this last week, and it's not easy to uh, adjust on the fly in the middle of the – in the middle of the season, especially in a team that's uh, pressing to get to the playoffs or at least the playing game. And um, so I think they'll figure it out. A little rough patch right now, but I think all in all this year, pushing for a play-in, a play-in spot, possibly a playoff spot is good. And then uh, going forward, um, I think I still think that was a good trade, and I think that uh, the Bulls would be better for it. So 
I'm not going to overreact over these three games, especially the uh, since Vucevic has been playing well. Anyway, the team, uh, they'll figure it out. I've, I have a weird faith in the Bulls right now. And the East is uh, as wide open as ever other than the Nets, who just seem to suck up every player they want and need. So other than the Nets, it's pretty open, and I think they can make a push to that playoff. Yeah, and we've seen also, like, you know, you touched on Brooklyn, you know, getting whoever they want, but, like, teams have kind of been selling out, you know, for offense almost. Like, you know, if we can outscore everybody, I guess it doesn't really matter how many points we allow if we can go down the other end and get a bucket whenever we want. And if you have, you know, Vucevic and Levine clicking, and once they get that chemistry together, you know, that could be a very scary duo that would probably average around, like, you know, 50 points a night just from those two guys, at least, I would say. And once the other guys, and uh, Carter touched on Patrick Williams. Who would have thunk? Patrick Williams. You know, we were har- we were kind of harping on the Bulls for taking him that high. I know um, Josh Rayapan, who also does some stuff with us, he was not happy at all with was Patrick really Williams' selection. No. he. I, I can go, I can maybe try to find the group me, but... That was a while ago, but yeah. I, but yeah, I, I remember he was not very happy about it. But hey, I mean, he's got a starting role on this team now. He is, I mean, he's a great defensive player. Doesn't really score that much, but I do like the overall makeup of this Bulls team. And if I could just get the standings up here, if my computer wanted to work, they're sitting at ten. They're at 10. they're sitting at ten. They're nineteen and twenty-seven. Uh, I think going forward, the Bulls have a little bit of work to do, like with the position that they're in uh, from their core and and with cap space and everything. Like Vucevic have that, has that big contract. Uh, he's got a uh, $26 million cap figure. Zach Levine, as they also signed to a big contract. So they have those guys signed to uh, big contracts going forward. But then I think without, you know, outside of those two guys, they've got a little bit of wiggle room that mm-hmm. right now they're probably going to, they're sitting either, you know, in that, in that playing spot, or, and they're right probably on the edge of that lottery spot too. Uh, so they, they're they in a pretty good position where they can either get playoff experience for their young guys or they can add another piece, or if they potentially wanted to uh, try to get another star or another good player, you know, a, a starting quality player, they can package that as well. And I'm, there's nobody I trust more, I think, Maybe not trust more, but I think that I would put a lot of good faith into uh, Arturis Carsonovis to uh, make something work. I agree. So. I agree with that, but I also don't. If they get a lottery pick, I think they might be looking to trade it because they are. Yeah, they have uh, Colby, Patrick mm-hmm. Williams, then Markin into. Like I don't know if they need another. They don't. Yeah, they're yeah. gonna want another mm-hmm. guy who. I mean, can, it's just it's a, who can produce now. Yeah, it's versus. a good asset to have, but yeah, I think they're, I think they're with that trade. They're pretty clearly trying to win. Mm-hmm. Maybe not right now, but they're trying to stunt that. And I mean, yeah, the Bulls, if if they can get hot too, I mean, they're only three games out of the eight seed as well. So Mm -hmm. they could also rise up to the end. Yeah, four games out of the seven. Everyone's all bunched up right there. Yeah, it's just uh, looking at this East standings just kind of gives me a headache. But I mean, just. And I mean, we'll touch on that later. But (laughs) who would they play right now in the play in? The Pacers. And I think they could win that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That'd be. Both playing. I'm actually at first I wasn't excited for the playing, but I am now. Just one game. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's March, the March the, Madness style. It's the yeah. Games. It's the seven and eight uh, loser would play the winner of the nine ten for the last spot to get in. I think that's a cool concept. So it's it's like two games. I huh. think. Yeah, if you're in, you have 
It's like you have to lose twice. If you if you're the, it's like the seven and eight, the seven and eight will play, and then the seven wins and the seven will get the seven seed. So then okay. the winner of the nine ten moves on to play the loser of the seven eight game. Is it kind of like last time too? How like the lower seed has to win two against the higher seed, like how they did it in the bubble. Um, I know. Uh, it's like the nine ten. Whoever wins like that game, they'll go on and play the loser of the seven eight game. So then okay. there's. I think there's three Dang, total. You, there's three total games. Could you imagine ending the season as the seventh spot and then not making the playoffs? And then you the lose, playoffs? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll bundle these two players together because they both have only played one game with their new respective teams. Victor Oladipo, he, he made his Miami Heat debut yesterday in a 116-109 win against the Warriors. A little shaky, which, I mean, is to be expected. You know, Oladipo's been on and off the court this year. 23 minutes, 6 points on 2 for 8 shooting, 0 for 4 from 3, but he also had 3 rebounds, 5 assists, but also picked up 5 fouls as well. LaMarcus Aldridge, a little bit of a different story. He started at center yesterday for the Nets, accumulating 11 points, 4 for 10 from the field, 1 for 4 from 3, 9 points, 6 assists, a block, and 2 steals. So... I will throw this question at you guys. Who do you think will be more valuable to their teams between these two guys, Aldridge and Oladipo? Um, I think I think it has to be Oladipo just because Aldridge is playing with... They don't need Aldridge. I mean, I don't think the Heat need, need Oladipo, but Oladipo will be a bigger part of that. I think Oladipo is a bigger part of their of their plan. Aldridge is just... If if Aldridge ends up being um, bad, even just down like if even even if he falls out of the rotation, they're still the best team in the NBA right now. Like if Old Depot ends up being if Old Depot doesn't pick it up, which I'm not, I think he will, but that is uh, it's gonna hurt Miami, and I don't think it, I don't even think it'll hurt Brooklyn that much because I don't like I, they don't they didn't need Aldridge, but they got him. So I think that more valuable Old Depot Aldridge, obviously just one game, but. Old Depot's looked a little rough all year, still trying to recover from that that injury, and um, yeah. So I think more valuable is Old Depot. I agree. I mean, I think that Old Depot is a much more, you know, uh, valuable, you know, ready to play and productive player uh, for the Heat. Um, and I agree that the Nets have less to lose. I don't. Mm. I don't really think that um, the Nets will suffer much if Aldridge and even Blake Griffin don't really do that much for them because they still have three of the top, what, 15 players in the league. Yeah, for sure. It, it, yeah, at least this year. It, yeah, top 15 at least this yeah. year. So, I mean, and Oladipo, I won't put too much stock into this game because he he's still been dealing with nagging injuries, he's dealing with a head cold and everything. Uh, Aldridge looked decent, I guess. <laughs> uh, good numbers across the board for him. Um, but I... I you know, I still think that the best long-term option at center for the Nets is Nick Claxton because he's young. You know, he's younger. He's way more athletic than Aldridge or DeAndre Jordan. Uh, he can defend better than both those guys. Uh, so Aldridge, I don't. You know, I think he's going to get. I think with this game, he gets a little bit of a starting role, so he gets a little bit back into a rhythm. But I think going forward, they should continue to start Claxton. Uh, if they want to win and they want to improve their defense because they held Charlotte to like 35 or 34% shooting from the field and three in this game. So, and I know Charlotte's probably going to tumble a little bit without LaMelo, but Brooklyn looked as good as Brooklyn has been looking and is going to continue to look uh, with this one. 
So I think that they're in a better position uh, even without Aldridge, and I think that the Heat kind of need Oladipo to keep going, especially if uh, Tyler Hero's, what, never going to break out of this slump, and if Duncan Robinson's not going to get back to how he was playing in the bubble, they're going to need a guy who's going to make shots, play defense, and create for others on that squad. Yeah, I I think it's a little closer than you guys might think. I'm going to take Oladipo, but, I mean, he's got to get back to, you know, at least three-quarters of what he was. I mean, if that doesn't happen, I mean, for LaMarcus Aldridge, I mean, you've, you know, obviously he's a little older for the NBA, but, like, I mean, just having that veteran guy, too, who, one, is healthy right now, and, you know, I think you touched on Nicholas Claxton. I mean, what Claxton's offensive abilities, we'll say, aren't all there. But bringing LaMarcus Aldridge, all, all NBA guys really not need, but I mean, you got to have a post move if you can, you're a big man. You could play Aldridge at the four and Claxton at the five because Aldridge will be. That's true. He can shoot a little better. And they just have so many guys. Because with Kevin Durant, yeah, with Kevin Durant being out, if you're going to play all those guys together, KD's probably going to play a little bit of four, uh, you know, when he's healthy. But I mean, those, yeah, those, it doesn't really matter yeah, what they do. You can interchange at, all the pieces, what I'm saying, but too, you just yeah, just another plug-in piece for the for the Nets. I mean, once the, all these guys are healthy, I mean, their second lineup as of right now on Joe the depth Harris. chart, yeah, <laughs> they're they're um second oh. line right now is Bruce Brown, Shamit, Lou Carabo. Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton. That's their second line right now. Some people are going to have to follow that rotation in the playoffs. I'm interested to see who yeah, ends they're up sitting. Up. That's yeah. true, yeah. They're I mean, have to. Even last night, Tyler Johnson had a good game, too, mm-hmm. and he's listed as the third-string point guard. Mm-hmm. So it'll, I'll be curious to see how that team is when everyone is healthy. I I was trying to find the stat. I don't know how many games Irving, Durant, and Harden have played together, but it's not many. It hasn't been many, no, because yeah. they only, got, I was only gonna, got James Harden middle of January, and then KD got hurt. I was going to add the old deep. I, you kind of touched on it, but I forget, I was something I was going to say. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think why I think he's more valuable for the Heat is because his if he reaches, like, like you said, just somewhat of his potential – yeah, they can throw mm-hmm. the switchability on that defense can be insane. They can have Butler, Oladipo, Iguodala, and then Bant. Like they can, that defense is gonna be tough. And um, even Ariza uh, over there is yeah, not, still not too. a bad yeah. defender either. Yeah, I mean that 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 um, that's gonna be a gritty gritty team, and um, it's gonna be tough. They're gonna they're gonna clog up everything on in um, on defense at least. And then if Oladipo can get going, that could I mean. They can make another run. You never know. Um, I still just don't think they can. They have enough to beat um, Brooklyn. But I mean, it won't, Brooklyn won't have fun playing them if they match up for sure. Yeah. So it would be a clash of two different, two opposite end styles, really. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just excited for these playoffs. Looking at these standings. Yeah, oh. me too. I cannot Ooh. wait. So we will move on to another guy in a new. Well, he doesn't have a new face, but he is in a new place. He does have a new number as well. Fat number 50, Aaron Gordon. Three games with the Nuggets, 28 minutes, 11 points per game, 57% from the field, four rebounds, 2.7 assists, and 1.7 steals from Mr. Gordon. And in their last three games, Nuggets are 3-0. and oh. 
I mean, we kind of talked about it too during the trade deadline. I mean, this was a pretty, even though Brandon Gordon is not, you know, one of the top tier NBA players, he's a guy who can make a huge impact on this team. And so far, he has the Nuggets at 3-0 and in their last three games. What do you guys think about AG so far on the Nuggets? I mean, my my philosophy with Aaron Gordon is if he's like your second best player, you're probably not great. But if he's like your fourth or fifth best player like he is in Denver, then you've got yourself an incredibly dangerous squad because you've, you're going down the line and, and Aaron Gordon is averaging the 14 and 6 that he is as the fourth or fifth option behind Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., He's probably the fourth option, but still, that that's a pretty deep starting lineup, and they've got a couple good bench guys. Uh, Gordon is just perfect for that team. I mean, I think that I think that they're going to maximize. Mike Malone is going to maximize what he can do, and so is Jokic. I mean, that's just perfect for them, um, especially a team that needed a little help defensively because Jokic and Murray aren't the best defenders. Uh, Gordon is a much better defender, and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, isn't great either because his movement isn't fantastic, but. I mean, adding Aaron Gordon to a team that needs defenders is pretty good, and this is exactly what they needed. And the fact that they're three and zero, they're right back in it. I mean, they're they're up to the uh, they're up to the fifth seed, and they've won eight of their last ten games, mm-hmm. so they look great. And this is exactly the team that needed to be buyers at the deadline and go get somebody like an Aaron Gordon. They exactly did it, and this is another team that could make a run right back to the Western Conference Finals if everything goes right. Yeah, there. I have a stat here. Um, it says. Um, Murray, Barton, Gordon, Porter, and Jokic lineup. They played 64 minutes together. They've outscored their opponents by 48, and then they have the Jeez. best. They have the league's best offensive and defensive rating. Wow. In that span. Oh my lord. That lineup. So yeah, I think Gordon's a perfect, perfect addition, like you said. And it's a, it feels like a team that's just coming off of last year or last two years. Even they've made runs in the playoffs, and it feels like they're just really trending in the right direction right now, especially with uncertainty in the West with the Lakers. And I mean. Still yet to see it from the Clippers in the playoffs. Obviously, they took him out last year. So, I think, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that they have a, a real chance to come out of of the West. And they beat like the, like they beat the Jazz and the Clippers last year. And those are probably the two most dangerous teams right now going into the playoffs in the West. So, um, they've seen them before. And if LeBron and AD don't get healthy and then come back and are playing the same way, I mean, I I don't think that's a guarantee that they beat them either. So. It's definitely a team that could make a run to the finals, and I think that'd be a that'd be fun. And I think they they've been getting closer and closer with this core, and I think that hopefully Aaron Gordon can put them over the top, and they can finally make it to the finals. Yeah, and in their last two games, two allowed less than a hundred points. Uh, two games ago, it was the Sixers. If my laptop wants to load here, the Sixers they only allowed, I believe, there it is, ninety five points, and then to the Clippers with both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing. 94 points. I think that that game, after that, people are like, all right, this is this team's for real. Yeah. Because that was a, it was a clinic they put on. Because you, you look at the teams in front of them. You look at Utah Jazz. They've never been tremendous in the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. they've always been great a great regular season team, but then they kind of tumble off uh, once the playoffs start. You look at the, the Suns, who, outside of Chris Paul, uh, have never been to the playoffs, and you don't know what they're going to do. You look at the Clippers, you know we can't really trust them in the playoffs, but, I mean, I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. But so, And then the Lakers, as they're going to come off their injuries to LeBron and Anthony Davis and say those guys aren't 100% by the time the playoffs get back, they could 
be in for some trouble as well. So, I mean, and the Nuggets, the way they're playing, they're such a good cohesive unit. Like, you have Brooklyn, who obviously has, like, their stars and everything, and that's going to work for them. But this is just team. This just is just a good nucleus of players. I mean, Jokic obviously is a star, and he could win MVP this year. And Murray, as we know, is uh, capable of getting hot at any point. Uh, and then Michael Porter Jr., who's continued to come along in his career, he has also been tremendous. And then they add Aaron Gordon. I mean, this team could really actually make a run to not only the Western Conference Finals, but they also could come out of the West. It's I think it's entirely possible. I'm not saying they're going to. Yeah, no. I'm just saying it's 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 way more possible now. I think they're. I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm. I, I don't think there's a team that's trending other than in the West. I don't think there's mm-hmm. a team that's trending the way that they are right now, and I, they're hitting their stride. Hopefully, not too soon. Hopefully, it's like hopefully they're still ascending, and hopefully they're um, they'll peak during the playoffs, like they have. And that's why I'm confident because they've done it the last two years. Murray and Jokic, they've been monsters in the playoffs, and um, and Mike Malone's proven that he can win in the playoffs. So I'm I'm really really excited to watch. Um, watch the rest of the season. I hope I hope Jokic gets the MVP. I don't know if he will because there's still like three or four people that, that could, and it's, that's kind of rare around this time of the season. Mm-hmm. So that'll also be fun to watch. But I, I think Jokic has done enough to this point to say that he might he probably is the MVP right now, in my opinion, and I hope he can keep it up, the way, especially the way they're playing. I think he can. If the season ended today, the a first-round playoff matchup would be the four-seeded Lakers versus the five-seeded Nuggets. Oh man, could you imagine? (laughs) Without AD and LeBron, that's with AD and LeBron, that would be one of that has to be one of the best first rounds I can remember. Yeah, but then without him, it's just yeah. Without him, it's it's probably Denver just winning it five at the most. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll go to now a player who has not been so good in two games with his new team, Evan Fournier. Almost thirty-two minutes a game, just three points per shooting. 18.8% 18.8% from the field. Ew. Has not made a three in two games. I will say, though, he's averaging a steal and a half and a block between those two games. So that's a little something from Fournier that you're normally not accustomed to seeing. But, I mean, especially you played against two teams who aren't really the stoutest defensively in New Orleans and Dallas. And I don't know. Do you guys. I mean, granted, you know, it's two games. You know, there's always those people who hit the panic button right away. But do you guys think it's time already to hit the panic button on Evan Fournier? Evan Fournier, no. Maybe Boston. That's what I was gonna they say. They might be okay. in some. Tr- they might be in some trouble. Twenty-three I mean, and twenty-five right now. I mean, they're sit. Yeah, they're under five hundred right now. Like we saw them just you know, get beat by the, uh, or they beat the rep. They just got to the Eastern conference finals. They were a couple ways. They were a couple games away from getting back to the finals. And now they're not playing well at all. I mean, I think Danny Ainge is, I, I mean, outside of, of Brown and Tatum, you don't really have a center. Kemba Walker hasn't looked good. You don't really have a lot of depth. You're asking Aaron Neesmith to play a lot of minutes. And this is the team that, that Danny Ainge has put out there. This is, he's not putting, Brad Stevens really in a great position to succeed, but also Brad Stevens has been there for what eight nine years now, so the clock is ticking on him too. And also, I'm just speculating here that North Carolina job just opened up. Mm-hmm. Say Boston doesn't make the playoffs, that's North Carolina can probably wait on Brad Stevens if he wanted to take that job. I mean, you know, Indiana was already offering Brad Stevens. 
He might be in a little bit of trouble, I think, in the NBA ranks, but if he wanted to go thrive in the college ranks, I mean, the best job of in, in college basketball just opened up. That would be scary for the rest of college basketball, for sure. That would be something. But, but I mean, I think that Brad Stevens, I could see both sides if they do decide to move on from Brad Stevens. I can see both sides of he hasn't been in, put in a great position to succeed this year, but they also have been on the verge of getting to the finals a couple times and have just fallen short. So... If they want to make a change, I think it makes sense. But I also see it's like you didn't give them a whole lot yeah. to work with this year. So I think yeah, I agree. I don't, I'm not I worried about speak on Evan Fournier right there. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I'm not worried about Fournier. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Just um, I think the bigger issue for sure is Boston as a whole. Like um, they missed out. They had so many assets. They had Tatum and Brown, and they were like not willing to the give up either of them for a player like Kawhi or AD. And obviously Kawhi, uh, the Raptors went went all in on Kawhi. They win a championship. Lakers go all in on on AD. They win a championship. And, and Danny Ainge kind of just stuck to um, his guys, which, I mean, I guess I understand, but it just hasn't worked out. Um, I mean, that they've been a good team for a long time. They're not, they haven't been a great team yet, and you play to win a championship. And they he seemed timid. I guess, or I don't know if he was waiting for something else, but I mean, I I don't know how you pass up on Kawhi and AD when you have the, you had more than almost any team in the NBA, you have the assets to go get a guy like that. And they didn't. And like you said, I think their window's closing and it might be, I don't know. It might be closed with Brooklyn and now Philly and the the East is getting better when they, they had such a good chance to at least get to the finals. The East has been bad for so long and they had more assets than any other. I'd be annoyed if I was a Boston fan. Um, I mean, they still have Tatum and Brown locked up, and they're still going to have right. the be- one of the best wing duos in, in the league for a long time, and they'll still be a good team. I just don't know if they'll ever be a championship team with this core. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, who's the, still there next year, and I don't think anyone's safe right now. I don't think anyone's outside safe. Outside of, yeah. Outside of Tatum yeah. and Brown. Even, I mean, I don't think things get weird. I don't know, but, like, front office and, and coaching staff, and I don't think anyone's safe, for sure, like you said. I mean, if you would have told me two years ago to the day, because, you know, one year ago we would have had the pandemic and no one's playing, mm-hmm. but two years ago to the day, if you would have told me, yeah, the Celtics, you know, they're going to lose Kyrie, but they're going to bring in Kemba, and they're going to keep Jalen Brown, they're going to keep Jason Tatum, and they're going to do everything, you know, and they and you told me they'd be 23 and 25? Right now, I I'd be like, you're crazy. Like, go home, dude. Take a nap. You need it. I think the Fournier thing is like a microcosm of their of Danny Ainge's regime when you have Aaron Gordon and Vucevic on the market, mm-hmm. and you get Fournier. they needed size. Too. They really yeah. should have gone and got Vucevic. They really should have at least yeah. tried. Like, did they even try? Yeah. I mean, the center depth on this team right now is Tristan Thompson, what Grant Williams, Robert Williams, and like Luke Cornett is now on their team. He played well one game, I think. Did he? Did he? Play <laughs> I think he. I think he and knocked on a couple. And their best shots. term option, I think, there. Not to say he's a bad player. I think he's a good player. But the, your best term option is Robert Williams, and that's a guy who should probably be coming off the bench for you. Like he, he should be a backup center. If you're starting Tristan Thompson, Tristan Thompson is not going to get you to a championship unless LeBron right. James is on your roster, and he's not. Yeah. Like, so I. Or the even if they got Drummond in the buyout too, I mean they could have got something. Drummond. Yeah. Like when's the last? They I feel like they've just kept playing it. Like when's the last time a team has won it all playing it safe? You don't. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like if you're even the Warriors, they built that with they take they took a risk on Steph and Clay coming from smaller school. Yeah. I guess Washington State's not that small of a school, but you yeah. take take risk on guys build it that way. 
and then KD falls in your lap. So I mean, you have to you have to make your own luck, and they're kind of just playing it safe. And um, yeah, I just Fournier's struggles are a microcosm of them playing it safe the last couple of years. And I feel bad for him; he'll pick it up, he'll be fine. But that team might not be fine. Yep, Celtics are sitting at the eight spot right now. Their next three games, though, all very winnable, all at home. They got Houston, they've got Charlotte, and they have Philadelphia, which mm. I I don't know when Joel Embiid's coming back, but yeah. I don't think he'll be available for this one. So those are three very winnable games. You know, if you win, you go on a little three-game win streak, bang, you're over 500 again, which in the East will... More Put than you in likely, the four seed. yeah. Which more than likely will get you. <laughs> yeah, you might have a, you might have home field or home field. <laughs> you home might court have advantage. home court advantage. <laughs> being one game over five hundred, <laughs> like the like um, Mr. Steve Rogers says, whatever it takes. So, but and then just one last guy we're gonna touch on because honestly, I wasn't gonna add him, but Wendell Carter. Uh, granted, the Magic's roster is. I don't really know a word to describe it. Bad. Young. Not good. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. But, I mean, to shoot 70% Young. from the floor, you know, that's never something to scoff at on 13.3 points per game, about 8.7 rebounds. He, ha- he averages the same amount of assists as turnovers, which I found, re- you know, kind of interesting, 1.7 on the dot. 1.3 blocks as well from Mr. Carter. And I know I've seen a lot of clips on – the social media of RJ Hampton also going in, you know, doing some things on that team. So as far as the magic's future, because we know, I mean, honestly, since maybe Tracy McGrady has been there, they have not really had any expectations really of doing anything. Um, But you look at this roster now, Ooh, excuse me. You know, Terrence Ross is the captain now over there. You know, you've got... He's the a, oldest guy on the yeah. team. Yeah. And you've got a lot of young guys. You know, you got Chuma Okiki, who's been playing well as of late. You know, we touched on RJ Hampton, Wendell Carter, and they still have Mr. Mo Bamba over there. So, as, and, you know, Cole Anthony missing time as well. How do you guys... We can just touch on this briefly. Um... How how do you guys see the magic in, say they keep these guys together two years? Where do you see them? Do you see them contending for a playoff spot in the East? You guys can correct me if you think this is stupid, but like I feel like they're like a they're trying. Once Isaac and Fultz are back, it's like I feel like it's kind of like a light version of the Heat, like building around defense. They got Isaac and Carter, yeah, like and then you have Fultz. Is a good defender on the perimeter, and then um, Okiki's a decent defender, and I I just feel like they're I don't know maybe they didn't mean to do this, but I feel like they've they're ending up they're starting to build around guys who uh, are focused on more focused on the defensive end, and I don't they still to be like a contender or anything. I think they're far from that. They need some lottery luck and things like that, which can happen. You just need one or two players to fall to you, or the balls the ping pong balls to go your way. So anything can happen, but. As they're constructed right now, I think that they could be a solid defensive team and like a scrappy type of team. And uh, they're definitely going in a better direction than they were two weeks ago before the deadline, um, for sure. So I'd be more excited 
um, than I was about a month ago if I was a Magic fan, but I'm still not sold on their future. I'd say more so than I was before, though. I would say a very, very light version yeah. of the Heat. A light, <laughs> light version of the Heat. The, the one-week-free no trial. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I don't think that's stupid. I mean, you're definitely you're definitely right that they're building around defense. That's what Steve Clifford uh, likes to do. He's a defensive-minded coach. Uh, there is definitely a lot of good defenders on this team. Uh, Wendell Carter is pretty good. And when Fulton Isaac, Isaac is an awesome defender. I Isaac's that, like a defensive player of the year, possibly. Like, I hope that, yeah, uh, I hope I hope mm-hmm. that, you know, once he comes back from his injury, he isn't too hampered by uh, his mobility and everything because Isaac is a really good player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Isaac, is, big is, Isaac is very good when he's healthy. Um, I would love to see the fit if the lottery falls this way, if they can get Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, who was from the G League? If you get a, you know, you get another one of those guys, a wing. I think they need a wing guy because you got a lot of bigs and you got a couple guards. You need a, you need a guy who can play on the wing. Uh, and Chumo Kiki is playing on the wing. I think right now. I think he's their starting uh, power forward. He's their starting power forward. I believe they ran out one of the grossest starting yeah. guys I've ever seen. Yes, he's their starting power forward. Otto Porter Jr. is starting. They have Otto forward. Porter. Yeah. Yeah, they got him in the deal for Vucevic. Yeah, I think I think that I'd go with uh, Jonathan Kuminga going forward if if he lands in in Orlando. Um, I don't know about the future of Steve Clifford though, because I mean he's been there for a couple of years now, and they're probably going to want to move in a different direction probably at the end of this season because this you know the way they've they've moved with the trade deadline and everything kind of signals that they're ready to start a new era. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a lot of movable pieces. I think outside of, of Jonathan Isaac, I don't think anybody will be back on this roster next year. You never know, yeah. especially with a team that finishes with the, whatever record that they're probably going to end up with. That's not very good. Um, competing for a playoff spot in the next two years. If it wasn't the East, I would probably say no, but getting guys like Fultz and Isaac back probably could get them in that conversation to be in the play-in game at the very least. Um, they've got a hit in the draft in the next couple of years, though. So that's my thoughts on that's what Orlando. Yeah, yeah. It's so hard to. That's one of the hardest. Yeah, getting on the draft. All, all you have to do is just draft yeah, just the next superstar. Good, just get good. How players. hard is just that? Simply do that. <laughs> this year, this year, the top five. Each of those top five, I think, could be a star or a guy that can really, really help a team right away. So I think if you it, land in the top five, you can't go wrong. Yeah, honestly, exactly. Though. So if they if they fall in the top five, that changes my opinion drastically. Mm-hmm. But if not, then they're kind of. Uh, I don't know. Then I don't know. Then 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 it goes to uh, then they got to hope for next year. I think. Yeah, hope for I, next year's lottery. Yeah. For last year's draft, I was pretty high on Cole Anthony just because watching him at North Carolina for but you know before he was hurt, dude was a killer. He, he was carried that Tar Heels team. He was. There was not a whole I lot mean, of talent on that team. Outside yeah, of even him. Roy Williams came out and said it's probably one of the worst talented teams I've ever had mm-hmm. after he went down. So. I'm going to be very curious to see how Cole Anthony develops and see if they can kind of get, you know, Jonathan Isaac is only dun, 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 22 or 23, I think. 23 years 23, old, yeah. 1997, holy cow. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, you've got those guys. I mean, by the time they're, you know, Isaac will be 25, Cole Anthony will be, you know, in two years, he'll still only be 22. They've still got a bunch of young guys. The thing exactly. is, though, they've got a lot of guards. Like, it's it's Fultz, it's... Yeah. it's R.J. Hampton, Cole Anthony, you know, who could be a nice package for an elite wing or a big man. Something maybe. like that. I mean, somebody like somebody's going to be an odd man out in this rotation. I mean, both right. of those guys, I think 
both Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz are point guards. Hampton's more of a combo guard. He can operate off the ball, so I think you can slot him in at that two spot and you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, Markel Fultz and and Cole Anthony need the ball in their mm-hmm. hands to to be successful, and obviously both those guys can't be on the court at the same time. Right. So they've got a couple guards in there that that rotation is going to need to work itself out. Obviously, I don't I don't really think Michael Carter Williams is is part of their future long term or anything, but. Uh-uh. But they've got a couple roster issues that they need to work out. Rookie of the year, season. Michael Carter Williams. Rookie of the year, that Michael did happen. Yes, it did. That did oh my happen. gosh! Oh, they got traded to Milwaukee. That Philly team was <laughs> so bad. Oh my goodness. Anyways, we're gonna move on now to who hot, who not. So I will start with one team that is hot. We touched on Denver, but another team in the Western Conference. The Portland Trailblazers, 11-4 and four in the month of March, and they are 28-19. and 19... yep. Yeah, no, 29-18. They're a game Flip and a half that. back in yeah. Denver. As the sixth seed, but we'll get into that as well. I mean, 11-4, and four, they got a four-game win streak on the road. They've out-rebounded teams in all four of those games, and they are 19-5 and five when out-rebounding opponents. And a guy who's kind of unsung on this team, you know, it's Dame Dalla, it's CJ McCollum, even, you know, before he was traded, Gary Trent was getting a lot of love on this team. Ennis Cantor, 23.5 percentage of all the rebounds in Portland's games go to Cantor. Wow. So if he's rebounding, this team is 19 and 5. Pretty much, you know, because when if mm-hmm. Canner isn't rebounding, there's probably not a lot of other guys on this team rebounding. So shout out to Portland, the Trail Blazers blazing right now. So what do you guys got? It could be hot or not. Um, I, my opinion really hasn't changed on Portland that much this year. I still, it just Dame just continues to show how I think he's the clear cut second best point guard in the league. Um, only behind Steph, and at times even he's been playing better than Steph. Um, I think that there's st- there's still a team to me that their absolute ceiling is a, a conference finals. I just don't, I don't see it happening. Um, with this construction of the team, even I think they needed to make a, a move at the deadline. I don't know what that would have been. I don't know if they could have done a move that would have put them over the top. But they're still a very fun team to watch, and Dame is still one of the best players in the league. I just, I, I just uh, don't ever see them getting to a finals with this kind of uh, frame, I guess, is a, of the roster that they have. Like, I think they need either Dame needs to go somewhere else, which I don't think he will, but or uh, they just need to totally just try something kind of different, totally different. I don't even know if that's possible the way the roster is set up. So I think they're a good team good playoff team a team that can get hot in the playoffs and knock someone out i just don't think they're a finals team i don't think they're a contender getting cj and nurkic back was Mm -hmm. kind of what we said was the key to portland getting back into contention of getting to the finals if that's possible and i'll go back to what i said when i said that some of these top teams the jazz the suns the clippers are not incredibly trustworthy teams going forward i do like the suns i think that they could be something very good in the playoffs but as it is we have yet to see that right. so 
And the Trailblazers, the thing is, is Terry Stotts, that coaching staff, Dame, CJ, the team that's played together. You got Carmelo Anthony there too. Um, Nurkic and Cantor, you're you're getting out-rebounded by Nurkic, and then he comes off the floor, and then Cantor comes in and starts out-rebounding you. It's it's tough for big men out there uh, playing in Portland. So I think the fact High that— High elevation too. Sorry right. to cut you off. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think in terms of like playoff experience, this team has it. So they could use that a little bit. I mean, I definitely agree with Liam a little bit when it comes to their ceiling is is a little bit low because it's just like they haven't gotten there before. So it's like, will they ever get there? Especially with time kind of running out on that Dame and CJ. Those guys getting a little bit older, they're going to miss their primes pretty soon. Um, so them them having and – and, and I agree that they probably needed to make a move at the deadline, and they did, but it was a very lateral run with uh, Powell switching for Gary Trent. So it doesn't really change a whole lot. Um, Portland is an interesting team to me in that aspect. Um, I think that they could get to a conference finals if everything falls in the right direction for them, but I just don't know if they'd. I just don't know if they'd win. I don't think they'd be able to beat whoever they got to with the Western Conference Finals. You know, I. I yeah. think that I think they're in the second tier in the West. Yeah. Like, they're still a very good team, and I. I I I love watching Dame. I love watching that team. I like, especially at Moto in the playoffs when that place gets going. They they have some very crazy fans. It's a lot of fun to watch the games. I just I don't know. There there's some teams I just don't see it happening with like mm-hmm. them, Boston, Boston now. Yeah. Um, like the Pacers. I feel like they kind of are in the same. They're not as good, but com- like in the East, like they're. I feel like they're like the East version of that. Those Pacers teams. They're like they're yeah. like right in the middle. Like, like three to six seeded teams every yeah. year. Like they're good teams. They just aren't championship teams. I love which those is fine. Pacers teams. I would I would be uh be fun to be a fan of a team yeah. that's going to the playoffs year yeah. in, year out and competing. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just not they're just not in the they're not in the top tier for me, not a championship team. Which no, is I fine. Agree. You can't you know, not everyone can be a championship team. Yeah. I would just if the season ended now, well, I'll go back to this. Portland would be matched up in the first round against the Clippers. That would be a tough. Their wings would. I just that could don't, be a seven-game series. I just don't know if. I mean, they got Covington and Jones. I guess they could throw at them. I just don't. I don't know. It's it just stinks for the Trailblazers. I mean, if the Trailblazers are in the East, I mean, I I would say it's probably you know they could get to a conference finals in the East for sure. Exactly, which I their chances would just go way up. But unfortunately, the geography does not let that happen. I don't know. I've always just thought. I mean, granted, this would kind of stink for travel, but why don't you just take the top sixteen teams in the NBA and yeah. just go? Because I mean, especially you know, just do. You could just play them. I mean, granted, the regular season then really wouldn't matter if you played them at a neutral site like a bubble. So, you know, you could cut down on that travel time. But it's like, golly. like Players don't want to do a bubble either. You're going to have... Or fans. Yeah. You could have... I mean, we just talked about the Bulls and how they could, you know, make the playoffs. But they're not, right now they're 19 and 27. 19 and 27. That would be third to last in the West right now. The Thunder are twenty and twenty-seven. They would be third to last in the West. The Thunder, that's too good of a record for what they want to do. Exactly, they're like yeah. that's that's yeah. like nine that's like nine ten in the draft stock. 
They yeah, sat. That's not where they want to be. They sat at Horford the rest of the year, and then Moses Brown has been going. Moses off. Brown is yeah. is awesome. I'm I glad he's gotten a shot. Yeah, when you when you sent that in the group chat about you know his stat that line, yeah, I was like at halftime. Well, I I honestly yeah. I had to look up who Moses Brown was. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I had to do it, and then I'm like, oh, you know, he he was part of the meme, you know, keep your head keep up. Your head up. Yeah. Jalen Hands, I think that was because Hands still on the Pacers. I don't see in their G League team or something. I don't know. But yeah, I remember them at college, but um, I that was a what do you have like nineteen and seventeen and a half something like that. Yeah, then he only finished with twenty one and twenty three or something. Only. I thought he was gonna have like <laughs> a thirty thirty yeah. game or something. Oh yeah, he had a he could have put up like wilt numbers. I thought, but I mean, yeah, good, you can't yeah. really. It's hard to duplicate a, a half like that for sure. I mean, right. Moses Brown has the size and he's very talented, so I'm glad yeah, he's seven foot two. Yeah, seven. Two I mean, seven foot two. Uh he's a good player, man. I'm I'm glad he's getting a shot. That's a team I'm excited for. They have what thirty four picks or something over the next yeah yep. seven <laughs> like years seven years that's yeah. ridiculous. And they've got a guy Stupid. who could be a legit star in Shea. He's awesome, man. And mm-hmm. then Poku's been fun. Moses oh, I love Brown's him. Been fun. Oh, I love him. Me and Zach. <laughs> yeah, me and yeah. Zach love him so much. Poku he, stands. <laughs> he's 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 got a ways to go, I think, in learning how to play the game. But gosh, you're never gonna say he's not a fun player, whether he's doing good or bad things on the court. <laughs> Dort's my favorite player on that team, though. The Dorcher Chamber. Chamber. Yeah, <laughs> he's awesome. Gosh, they have they do have a fun team. I, yeah. I want to watch them a little bit more. So we will, as we've kind of alluded to this whole podcast, who's not hot? The East. <laughs> Four seed Charlotte is twenty four and twenty three. The eight seed San Antonio Spurs in the West is twenty four and twenty two. I don't know, like what Charlotte has a home playoff series. Exactly, like could I don't know if it's. I, I can't even. I I don't know. I don't know why. Especially like probably the last five years, at least the West has just. It's no contest. West, like the West has just been straight up better, so I don't know if it's maybe just all the players have a secret agreement and just like, hey, let's just make the West as hard as possible. So when we get to the finals, not a free spot, but you know, you are mm-hmm. battle tested going yeah. to the finals if you make it out of the West. I think the Nets say, okay, we'll just we'll yeah, walk true. our way through and then we'll be ready. <laughs> we'll be rest. We'll be actually yeah, rested. exactly. <laughs> Probably be resting. Yeah. KD and you like... guys can struggle over there. We'll just walk. I mean, I don't think they're gonna walk through, but right. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, the Houston Rockets, twenty eighteen, they were just on the verge. Chris Paul gets hurt. They were almost in the finals. Mm-hmm. They probably would have made quick work of that Cavs team. Missed, I mean, I mean the Warriors did too, but the Cav- the Rockets would have too. They missed twenty seven threes in a row. That is that is ridiculous. Yeah, that was. I, nobody to I remember watching that I was game super too. Upset. I was like, oh my gosh. That yeah, they they were up, uh, weren't they? They were up in the Iguodala's, first half. Iguodala or someone said I forgot when the when the Thunder blew that lead and then when Houston lost that. Both times, players on the Warriors said that yeah, that was probably the best team in the NBA that year. The the Thunder, the three one Thunder team, and then that Houston team. I mean, credit to Golden State, they got it done. And but yeah, they they had some close calls and out in the West. And LeBron hit did two towards the end in Cleveland, but and before then he didn't really. I mean, the Hawks that one year took pushed him a little bit, but then yeah, would no one, no one, LeBron. Oh, he he had to he had to work to beat the Hawks though. He I remember that series. Isn't he, that when the Hawks were the one seed that that one year? Yeah, that's when it? Kyrie wasn't Kyrie and in, in Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt. Yeah, yeah I remember. He, that oh, was, yeah. that's when he. That's but when then he LeBron dragged. swept them. He swept. Yeah, okay. J.R. Smith went nuclear. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, he made everything. They they uh they didn't 
Like I, I, that's what I was kind of saying. They didn't really struggle until like LeBron's second tenure with Cleveland. They didn't really yeah. struggle in the East until that last season when they weren't that. Obviously, they were good and they made the finals, but they struggled with uh, the Pacers and then they swept the Raptors and then they went seven with the Celtics. So yeah, that was when they were the four seed, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. They, they were the, the four. four. Yeah. LeBron had checked out at that point. Like he's like in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. he oh, yeah. He turned it back out in the playoffs. But then, uh, but then you know the thing where he's he's walking out and he's fist bumping everybody as he's checking out of the first game. Like he had <laughs> he had checked out. He had been he he's focused on his new house in L.A. or whatever it was. And it's like, man, we knew he was going. Oh, in the finals, you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, like basically at that point, because like the way that team was I think going it was before I mean, the finals were even played, he bought the house. Probably, <laughs> I'm almost positive because everyone was like, hmm. Interesting. And then I'm pretty sure before the season ended, too, he enrolled Bronny at Sierra Canyon. Yeah. So that yeah. would be another sign, you know. But hindsight's 2020. Um, okay, we got it. So, Kevin Durant. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we, we are... We have a link to the um, exact words that were said between him and Mr. Rappaport. And I don't think we can say a whole lot of them. No, no, <laughs> we cannot. Which I mean, most of the it took me it took me to get to Reddit to find this too, mm. which is like I mean, granted, you know, obviously, like this is major, why you tune into this podcast exactly. Work like that. You know, we go we go deep in the interwebs to find this stuff, but it's like, oh my. god. God, the I I don't even know. I mean, you you're a professional athlete, and you're saying this stuff. Granted, yeah, you know it's private; it's a direct message. But you've got to know, man. Like, if you say this, not only will Michael Rappaport get, you know, some some mentions, but like, dude, let's. It's a lot. It's a lot to read. So what are you, I guess I could just ask for your thoughts or whatever you guys want to say about this. I mean, saying your wife doesn't respect you. Jeez. Wow. That cuts deep. Exactly. I mean, any of my friends, granted, you know, I'm 22. None, none of us are married yet. But like, that'd be like me going up to one of my friends like, oh, yeah, your girlfriend doesn't respect you. Ah, it's just playful banner, right? Like, what? Is that, what, is that what KD said? I mean, I don't think that's very playful banter at all. Um, he said... He said a whole lot <laughs> yeah. of stuff, um, and we can't really... <laughs> how blank are you? Your wife doesn't even respect your blank blank. Yeah. I mean, I think they're both kind of at fault. KD, for what he said, you know, you don't need to lash out on, on Michael Rappaport like that. And Michael Rappaport's also at fault because, you know, you don't really need to release that. Yeah. You know, you're you're making KD out to be this bad guy. Well, not to say not to say what KD is saying yeah. is excusable, but he, that's not really something you need to release and to the public. Just for some and context he's get more as publicity. well, too. Yeah, um, Michael Rapport when he posted these, his I don't know his comment that he left with the post. I guess you know he can comment his caption. Yeah, yeah, his caption. That's what I was looking for. As most of you know, I receive threats and disgusting messages daily, but never in my wildest dreams did I think at Easy Money Sniper would be among them. The snake emoji himself is now threatening me, bringing up my wife and wants to fight. This is supposed to be America's sweetheart, right? KD didn't get, quote, hacked, quote, either. 
hold this L champ. Hashtag I'm the real MVP. Hashtag I got a story to tell. So based on that, it kind of sounds like he just did it for clout. Yeah. yeah. And if you look, he didn't even, he's acting like, I mean, like again, I mean, this isn't new. This, this, to this extent, it's new for Katie, but Katie's also been one. You can look back at some old tweets. He's not one to be shy on social media. And yeah. even, even like an, even, uh, he, he'll, he'll tell you how he feels. Uh, and he's done that his entire career. I just thought it, it was kind of funny that he didn't, that Rappaport didn't even say anything back to him. He kind of just took it and then just posted it. And I yeah. thought that was kind of weird. There was a total of, let's see, one, two, three, four responses by Mr. Rappaport. And a lot more messages from Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So Katie definitely. I don't know the entire context of why they were. I know. I know. Report said something about him or something. Yeah. It so was like the tweet. Char- it was like Charles Barkley's. Yeah. It was like an interview with Kevin. Durant Michael. Or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rapport tweeted. Rappaport tweeted. KD seemed deeply in his feelings with the at NBA on TNT crew after the game. Damn it, he's super sensitive about everything. Don't do the interview. And then Kevin Durant sent that tweet to Rappaport and responded, you a blank. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the Kev, I feel like that, I don't, I mean, obviously not everyone leaks DMs, but throughout his entire career, he's definitely been one to, Kevin Durant's definitely been one to worry about what other, pe- what other people in the media and, and just anyone thinks about him. And he, he does... I don't know if sensitive is the right word, but he definitely is protective over his image. Yeah. And uh, he takes those things seriously. So I feel like Rapport knew what he was getting into, and Katie took it way too far. So, like you said, they're both in the wrong, I think. Um, and I know Katie apologized and he got fine. So I kind of hope this just blows yeah. over. But I have a feeling this won't be the last time Katie's in the spotlight for lashing out at someone because he's just that, he's like a fiery kind of character, which. At least he's yeah. St- he's, <laughs> yeah. he's not fake, so no. he'll tell and, you how he feels. And KD is, has snapped on social media before, or maybe not mm-hmm. snapped to this point, but he's he's responded back to people who have said things about He does him. it pretty frequently. Shout out the burner. He does it a whole lot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he also sent, as I'm looking at it, he, um, he sent a Barstool Sports story about something with uh, uh, a defamation suit with Dave with Portnoy. Portnoy yeah. yeah, and... That you know, he just piled on with that, and that's where the wife comment comes in. And but it's yeah, that was you know how <laughs> if I'm Gosh. granted, I'm not Kevin Durant, but mm-hmm. it's like, can't you just you're making so much money? Are are these are were was this worth fifty thousand dollars, Kevin? It made it was, me question, like maybe to him it would have been. Honestly. I feel like, yeah. I, mean, I was to gonna say to maybe to go off, but like to, uh, he might <laughs> he might have been happy to pay that. Honestly, he might that might have felt good for him to do that because uh, I don't know. He, I feel like he's always getting like even on the court too. He's always getting in his little arguments. Yeah. Like he's never. And it's not like Rappaport isn't known as someone to kind of. Yeah, he, I mean, he stir, stir the, the pot. pot. Yeah. Yes, yes, Carter. He's he, he knew what he was getting into. He knew that he was gonna get a reaction from it. So. Yeah, Michael Rappaport's like in the media to do that. Pretty much, and I think that that like it made me question like, is that how players kind of feel about Michael Rapaport? Because we see him all over the place. He's he does he does all sorts of different shows and things like that. Um, and Kevin Durant, like you know, he he takes it on social media. He always he has forever, and 
you know, was this his kind of boiling point for himself? Like to just snap in, in, in a total of as many messages as he sent. Uh, is this how a lot of, maybe a lot of players feel about Michael Rappaport? Maybe they don't like that he's been chirping at them the way that he has over the last couple of years that he's done that. Uh, so those are some of the things that I was thinking about with with this situation with, you know, Kevin Durant getting as, as angry as he did. Which, then, by the way, I'm looking at this. These are from, well, the tweet was from December 22nd. Mm. And these DMs started, Rappaport responded on the 23rd of 2020. You know, so because December 21 hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have really any other timestamps on these messages. So for all we know also, you know, these, these, all of these, if they're from December, you know, that's four months ago. Mm-hmm. So why release this now? Probably because Michael Rappaport needed to get back in the discussion. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're Kevin Durant, you can't say that. Yeah. I mean, that's if anyone says this in social media, like the exact words, they're the obviously they won't be hit with a fifty thousand dollar fine, but they're gonna get in some some shape or form of trouble somehow, some way. So after Kevin Durant, we will close this show with some Friday night picks. So our first game we've got today, 7.30 p.m. on NBA TV. Dallas is the six-point favorite going to Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks over under 212 and a half. Who wants to take this one? Give me the over. I know the Knicks I know the Knicks played uh they're one of the best defensive teams in the league and mm-hmm. and all that, but 212 is very low, or 213, I guess, pretty low. And the Mavs, their offense hasn't been what it was last year, obviously, but they still have, like, they still have the potential to, to, uh, to put some points on you. And, um, yeah, again, my betting advice probably isn't the greatest, but (laughs) I, I'm just gonna, I would take the over on this one, 213. What's that? One, 107, like, 107, 108, something like that. So, seems doable for yeah. sure. And uh, in terms of, um, I might, I might take Dallas in the points. I don't know. I'm feeling like Dallas is gonna score a lot of points to help me at the over. So I'll take Dallas in the points. I think Derrick Rose is still out. It yeah. does not that big of a deal, uh, I guess. But I mean, it still is, um, a rotation, solid rotation player for the Knicks. So he's listed um, as questionable for today's game. Yeah, so give me Dallas on the points in the over. It'll be fun to root for Luka and, and, and all them. Dallas uh, added a couple shooters at the deadline. They added uh, J.J. Redick and Nicola Melli from uh, New Orleans. So they've got a couple more guys that can score the ball uh, since they probably, you know, they tried to add some defenders with Luka, like getting Josh Richardson uh, to be able to play defense uh, on the perimeter for them. Uh, so and they just they're going back to their original Rick Carlisle plan. They just want to score as much as they can. Uh, last season they were what one of the most efficient offensive teams that we've mm-hmm. seen. They had the best offensive rating ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeez, yeah. So they want to get back <laughs> to that. <laughs> they want to get back to the roots of of what made them successful. So they're back to being able to score the ball. I know the Knicks can really defend. Um, 
I like Dallas. I like Dallas with the spread, and I will also go with that over because I think that both those teams are capable of scoring more than that. I know that it's not the Knicks game to want to be able to get into shootouts with teams. They want to be able to lock them down and score enough to win. But Dallas is a tough team to lock down, especially since they're adding more shooters again, getting back to the the scoring team that they liked being. Um, Luka's probably going to draw R.J. Barrett in this game, who's had himself a much better season uh, than we kind of thought he would. Uh, so defensively, uh, he's going to draw that. So I think it's going to be interesting. I think that's, that's going to be a pretty good game, I think. Yeah. I'm going to go with a little Lee Corso and say not so, not fast, so fast, my friends. <laughs> I am going to take New York in this one because, believe it or not, even though they do not score that many, you know, they don't they don't score that many points, but they don't allow that many points. But they are also, oh, I had it here somewhere. Where'd it go? Oh, whoops, this is the wrong page. I believe the Knicks cover about 57% of their games. Thought I had it. They they cover about 57% of their games. Obviously, they don't hit the over that much. I am going to bet on the defense today. I'm feeling a little scrappy on a Friday, so I am going to go with the Knicks. Also, their last four games, the total points... Against Washington on the 25th, 208. Against Miami, or Milwaukee, uh, the 27th, 198 total against Miami, even though it's a loss. The total was only, if I can do some quick math here, 186. And their last game against Minnesota, the total was 203. So I'm going to ride that trend. I'm going to go under and I am going to say the Knicks cover the game tonight against Dallas. Next one on the slate. Spread is a little big for this one, but nonetheless, kind of an interesting matchup. 9 p.m., we have Chicago going to Utah. Utah, 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Zach Levine is questionable for this one. So how about we get... If Levine plays and if Levine doesn't play, how do you guys think this game will go out from a betting perspective? If Levine plays, uh, I'm still taking Utah to win. I don't know about the spread. That one would be tough. I think that Zach Levine makes that a closer game uh, with the way that he can shoot the ball. Um, without him, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm going to take Utah with that spread. I think the over was going to hit anyway just because both these teams can really score the ball. Uh, and Utah is one of the most efficient offensive teams we've seen in a while, I think they are one of the best offensive teams this season. And this is going to be a Vucevic versus Gobert. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be a good one. Um, if Levine doesn't play, I'm taking the Utah spread, but I might go the under just because they won't have as much offensive firepower without him. Uh, but if he does play, I'm taking the – I don't know if I want to take the Bulls spread on that one. Uh, because that's a that's, that's a lot of points. That's a big number against a very good team, right? Um, uh, but and I don't know about that over without Zach Levine as well. This one, I feel more confident about, which means I'm going to be wrong. So <laughs> that's um, how it goes. I like I kind of like the Vucevic versus Gobert matchup for Chicago because I feel like if Billy Donovan plays his cards right, they can really spread that. They can ha- they can play Vucevic around the perimeter more tonight. Um, 
take Gobert away from the rim as much as possible. Um, and then if Levine plays, I think they cover for sure. If not, I still think they might cover. Um, just spread out that that uh, that that Denver de- defense as much as possible, and I'll bet the over because unders are boring for me to bet. So I'm gonna bet the over in Chicago covering, and I think um, I think they're due, and I think Vucevic is gonna have a breakout game. I mean, not that he hasn't been playing good; like he's been playing great, like we talked about. I think he's gonna have a really, really, really good game. I'm just feeling good about Chicago tonight. They're due. They're going to break out, and I think they might even win this game. If if Levine plays, if he doesn't, then they won't. But if Levine plays, I think that they, this, will, this will be a close game. Yeah, the last time these two teams met, I wish I had a date up here, but it, was one, it wasn't too long ago. Let me see this date. Uh, the, the Jazz won 120 to 95. Mm. Donovan Mitchell putting in 30. Levine putting in 27, but granted this game was, I believe, right before the trade deadline, if I could just find this date. I don't know why they're not telling me the date. Either way, I would say you touched on the Vucevic-Gobert matchup. If you know, if uh, Levine plays, you know, that Levine-Mitchell matchup will also, you know, that's primetime TV in itself. I'm going to say that the Jazz are, honestly, I think that they are going to cover either way. That's a lot of points, but also the Jazz are the second best team in the NBA with an av- like in covering, and their average spread is right around 9.3 points. Mm. So Bobby, I... Bobby should go first next time. I learn, I learn too much after I say things. <laughs> Gotta have the links, baby. Gotta have the numbers. <laughs> but I I like Utah. Um as far as the over under standpoint, now like Carter said, that is where I think Levine af- affects it the most. Because if you know, you take out a guy who could go for thirty any given night on a team, of course you're probably not go gonna score as forty. Many yeah, really. I mean so I think if Levine plays, I will take over if they do not if Levine does not play I'm going to take the under and if Levine doesn't play I would I would honestly take that as like a lock of the night I know we don't really like do that but I mean last time they played without Vucevic and they had Levine they still only had 215 total so I am going to go with over if Levine plays, under if he doesn't, Utah by 12 and a half. And then our last one, a team we touched on earlier today, 10 p.m. NBA TV, Milwaukee favored by three on the road to Portland. The last time I checked, I believe this over-under was actually 240. I can get the updated ones while you guys go. But um, what do you guys think about this game, Milwaukee at Portland? Yes, over under two forty. Over under two forty. It's a lot of puntos. That's that is that's a lot of points. Um, I like Milwaukee to cover though. I think they're a better team than Portland. Um, so a three point spread. I know it's on the road, and that's a tough place to play. But I think Milwaukee has just been playing really really good basketball this year. Um, they had a really good team last year, so I think by comparison, people kind of forget about how good they are. Uh, but I like Milwaukee. 
um, to win that one. I like him to cover. The point spread, though, I mean, I know, like, both teams can really score the ball a lot, but it's just, like, will they get there? That's, like, 120 to 121 if you're going to hit that over. And I don't know how often that happens in the NBA. I mean, I know these these are teams that can really score the ball. Uh, but Milwaukee's also a really good defensive team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Portland can defend a little bit, too. So I don't know, but I might just take that under just because that number is so big. Not to say that these teams aren't capable of hitting it, though. Um, Yeah, this one is weird to me because uh, Milwaukee started out the month scorching hot. They were uh, just they were on fire. They were blowing teams out occasionally. And then they just went on a three-game losing streak. They won on Wednesday, I think. But they lost three in a row, and they didn't look as good. And then they only scored 96, I think, against the Knicks uh, like last week. So they were really hot at the beginning of the month. They kind of cooled down a little bit, and then they picked up a win. So I think um, the win against the Lakers will uh, help them pick it back up, and I think they'll win today and cover, like you said. And I like the under, too, but Bobby's probably going to tell me something that is going to change my mind. But, yeah, I like Milwaukee to cover and the under to hit. One more thing. I lied about Portland being able to play defense. They are 29th in the league. They They are second to last in the league in defensive rating just in front of the Sacramento Kings, who at one point this season had the worst defensive rating in NBA history. So that's on me. Ouch. It means Portland that's is one of the worst ever then, if they're yeah. that close. Yeah, yeah. They're like, they were like a point over. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with Portland covering just based on the fact that they've had a few games now with Nurkic. Um, I don't know. I just... A primetime game, 10 p.m. at Portland. I like a big Dame Dalla game today. 46. Is that your prediction? Yeah. Lock there's it my, in. <laughs> there's my bold prediction. Dame goes for 46. Somewhere. I know on some sports books you can go up to, like, betting players getting, like, 40-plus points. I'm, I might do that. I wonder what his Feeling odds good. are. But, Maybe. Uh, I don't know. As an over-under. like He can I do mean, it. Jeez, that's so many points. I know. 240. And, I mean, yeah, Milwaukee being one of the better defensive teams. Hmm. <laughs> well, also, as I'm looking at it, Milwaukee is goes hits the over 55% of the time as an away favorite. <laughs> That's a stat. Exactly. They are 11, 9, and 1 as an away favorite. So... I mean, as much as I would love to see an over, for some reason my my brain says that's a that's still a lot of freaking points. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go to the moon on this one. Let's all go right. with the over. All let's right. go. Let's all right. Let's just hope for all the puntos. Giannis <laughs> gets fifty. Dame gets fifty. Vegas knows. Everyone. Every player just score fifty. So. <laughs> well, it's gonna hit way over the over then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we are just about at an hour and ten minutes. So we are going to wrap it up here. Lock those picks in. We will get this episode uploaded ASAP. So from Holden Hall on the beautiful campus of East Lansing, Michigan State. From Bobby Zephro, Carter Landis, Liam Jackson, we wish everyone a good night and go watch some hoops.
You've been listening to Courtside Convo, a production of Impact 89 FM. Our thanks to Impact's General Manager, Jeremy Whiting, Station Manager, Amber Kinutsky, and Programming Director, McKenna Lowndes. Tune in next time for more updates on NBA basketball 